Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. Uh, I want to preach again today, continue with the series I've been doing on the names of Christ. And uh, before Christmas, we looked at Christ as the bread of life. Uh, On Christmas Day, we looked at him as Emmanuel, God with us always. Last week, we looked at Christ being the light. And while he was with us, he was the light of the world. He gave us his light in us. So we are now, listen, we are now the light of the world. So Christ in us, but it's us. We are, we've been ignited by our, our encounters with God. And we are the light of the world. That light within us needs to shine. And today I want to look at Jesus as living water. And, and so when we put these simple aspects together, uh, we have everything we need for life. We have food. Water, light, and a a guide and protector. So we have everything in just these names of Christ. We have everything we need, like Peter says, for life and godliness. And there are multitudes of names that Christ has. The character traits of Christ are the same character traits as the Father and the Holy Spirit. For the three are one and the one are three. uh, And they're intertwined like God was in Christ at Calvary. And this, this, this God is one. And this working together. But Christ has given us everything we need. And Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. A lot of people love that verse. Uh, And they they take it out of its context. It's a great verse and it means what it says, but it has a context. And like most of God's promises, there are either conditions or... Or warnings. There's very few promises of God that are unconditional. See, salvation is conditional. Salvation is based on us choosing to repent and accept Christ as Lord. It's free, but it's got a condition. It's a condition of repentance and receiving Christ as Lord of our lives. And so the conditions are there. And I love the context because God provides this wonderful opportunity that even when we fail and when we fall short, there is always a way back. I don't know how your Christian life is, but my Christian life, even after since 1974, five, even after that, it still has this kind of up and downs. Have those days where you feel really spiritual and those days where you feel very carnal. And then there's opportunities where you feel like you could be carnal and beat someone up with a baseball bat and you choose to be spiritual. You know, um, so we have those opportunities when we do fail to come back. 1 John 1 9 says this If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says it in Acts as well, in Acts chapter 3. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, so times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world of God, the world began. This is a wonder of the kindness of God. Even when we fail, when we mess up so badly, we're invited to come to him in our fallen and broken condition and find refreshing. So many people, they hear a lie from the enemy 
that says you've got to get good before you can come to God. Well, that is not the heart of God. God says when you are messed up, when you are broken, when you are hurting, when you have failed, come back to me. It's like this refreshing is promised. It's like water to a dry and thirsty soul. The psalmist says it like this in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Obviously, there's a spiritual aspect to this. But when there's a dryness, when there's an emptiness and we're aware of it in our heart and soul, the spiritual empty dry place and we're parched and, and we actually come to that understanding, God, I need refreshing. The psalmist says, come. The Bible says, come. Come boldly. Hebrews says it in 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace when we're doing everything perfectly. No, so that's not what it says. We might find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. It's when I am in need. It's when I'm broken, when I'm feeling dry and thirsty spiritually, when I feel like I'm backslidden, when I feel like I'm a failure in my faith. Then he says, come in that condition. Come boldly. How do I come boldly when I feel so guilty? How do I come boldly when I feel so ashamed? How do I come boldly when I feel naked? And God says, it doesn't matter. Come. Come. Don't let your feelings rob you of the amazing call of God that says, I am the refreshing you need. I'm here. Come as you are, like a billabong in the desert, like a watering hole in the Kimberleys or a hidden flowing stream in Arnhem Land. When we are spiritually dry and longing from thirst, we are invited and welcomed to come and find refreshing of the spirit and soul and to drink. This was Jesus' call at the end of his ministry life on earth or toward the end of it in John seven thirty eight, He gets up, uh, 37, it says, on the last day, of the great festival, great day, greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up till that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, we see the same thing happening when we saw about Jesus being the light and then saying, now you are the light of the world. When he was here, he gave us light so that we could shine our light into our world, that we would be the light of the world. And now he calls us to partake of living water so that rivers of living water would flow out of us in our world. We are called to be those who bring the bread of life to our world, who bring the light of God to our world, who bring the living water to our world. Every one of these names of Jesus is a conditional process by which we should flow, that we should become like Him, light in our world, supply, nourishment, hope, life, rivers of living water to our world. See, it's an amazing promise that we can find this water in us, but also become living waters to others. 
This is a promise. This promise is if we come to Him. Here's the danger. We can get it once and think that's it. And, and we can make the same mistake the Israelites made. When they started to get dry, they didn't seek God. Listen to this in Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and, listen, they forsook him and they dug their own cisterns, which is like wells, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So here's the question. Sometimes when you're thirsty and dry spiritually, what do you fill your life up with? When we're starting down that track and we start to feel a little dry spiritually, do we start looking at things of the world to try and fill that void, that emptiness? Maybe it's entertainment, maybe it's sport, maybe it's some kind of relationships. But it says two things. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own sisters. This is the nature of religion is that when we lose the intimacy of our relationship, we try and go back to some kind of manifest fleshly works that satisfy the soul temporarily. What have we placed in our hearts? What have we filled our lives with? When the easiest and right thing to do is when I'm feeling thirsty and dry, is to come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace. I come into his presence and find refreshing again. When I come back, as Revelation says, when you've lost your first love, get back to the first things. Get back to intimacy with him. Get back to relationship with the king. It goes on in Zechariah, which is, which is a, a great, great passage. You'd want to read it. Zechariah 12, 13, 14. It says in verse 10 of chapter 12, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication, which is just a prayer of intimacy. They will look to me, the one they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one who grieves for a firstborn. See, the promise to us is if we fulfill the conditions of repentance, then living water flows but this passage talks about what has to happen for that. It says in verse 30, On that day a fountain, on that day a fountain will be opened to the house, to the inhabitants of Israel, Jerusalem, and to cleanse them from their sin and impurity. Verse 7, Awake sword against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. His, the refreshing comes and begins on that day, on the day that the shepherd is struck, on the day that Jesus died, it was actually quoted. You, Jesus actually quoted, you strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, talking about his disciples. And it says, on that day, a fountain will be opened. There's a picture of this in the Old Testament. In Exodus 17, Moses is in the wilderness with the people and there's some complaint about no water. And the Lord goes to Moses and God says, go before the people, take some of the elders of Israel, in Exodus 17, 5, and take in your hand your rod which struck the river and go, behold, I'll stand before you on the rock of Horeb. You shall strike the rock and water will come out of it and the people may drink. So Moses did. So Moses did. Here's the reality. Moses 
struck the rock. It was a picture of the striking of the shepherd. It was a picture of Jesus being struck down and that at that striking would come a flow of river, rivers of water. And in Numbers 20, Moses again comes to a situation where the people are again complaining. Now, he's been leading the people. And let me tell you, Moses was not a perfect leader. As much as some people want to go Moses and hold him way up there, he wasn't a perfect leader. He had a whole bunch of things he did that were wrong. He tried to carry all the burden by himself till his father-in-law Jethro says, Moses, uh, this is too heavy. You need to be wise and appoint others to carry the load. You need to share the responsibility. You can't carry it all. No one is able to do that. And Moses had these issues in life. He wasn't perfect, but he was okay. And he's a leader. And now the people are whinging again about no water. So he's taken them through the wilderness and and one minute there's no food, there's no water, and then they're whinging and complaining. And it didn't matter what happened, they come again and there's no water. And Moses goes to God and God says, Moses, this time, this time, just strike the rock. It's in Numbers 20. Don't strike the rock, just speak to the rock, he says. And, and it says, let me read it to you. So Moses took the rod before him and the Lord had commanded. Now God has told him to speak. This is, this is scary. Speak to the rock, Moses. So Moses took the rod and Moses now gathered the people together. And, and Moses really loses his leadership here. Here now, you rebels. He's this loving, gentle, meek man called Moses. Here now, you rebels, basically. You have wind so much, I've had a gut full of what you're carrying on with. Must we bring water out of the rock? Again, Moses lifts up his hand with the rod and he strikes the rock twice and water comes out abundantly. Everyone's happy again. Stop whinging, they've got water. But Moses is now in trouble with God. Verse 12, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given them. Moses let the frustration of the behaviour of the people affect his ministry and affect his leadership. And Moses, instead of speaking to this rock, strikes it. He he obeyed in Exodus 17 when he struck the rock, but Numbers 20, he disobeys because he strikes the rock rock instead of speaking it. It's a picture out of 1 Corinthians. Let me read it to you. Paul speaking, verse 1 of chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptised into Moses in the cloud and the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So on both occasions, the rock was a representation of Christ. And the first time Moses strikes the rock is a picture of Christ being struck at Calvary and rivers of living water flowing out. And the second time Moses was supposed to speak. He stopped being an example. He stopped giving a reflection of Christ to the world. He he took away from the example God was trying to teach that we no longer have to have Christ crucified. The Bible says he died once 
for the sins of all mankind. He doesn't have to die again and again and again. He died once and now it's an intimate relationship of communication. We speak with Him. We come and bring repentance. We fulfil the conditions and we find refreshing waters, of spiritual waters, rivers flowing into us. And it's out of that then living water flows. Let's take a quick look at a, a New Testament encounter that shares this same principle. In John chapter 4, there's the Samaritan woman. Jesus has to go, leaves Galilee, and he's going through Samaria. And he stops there uh, near a city called Sychar, near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, being wearied from his journey, sat there. It's about the sixth hour, so about midday. Disciples have gone off now to buy food and this woman comes to get some water in the middle of the day. I don't know why she came to get water in the middle of the day. Um, traditionally, they would come in the evening and the morning, but not during the middle of the day, possibly because of her journey of having had a multiple husbands and now living with a man. Uh, and I don't know what happened to our other husbands. A lot of people want to say she just kept getting remarried and divorced, whatever. Maybe all her husbands died, I don't know. Maybe there was a sense of a curse upon her life and because of that curse, because the husbands had died prematurely. Maybe they were looking on her with disdain and she was a reject because of something that had nothing to do with her. A lot of religious people want to write her off as a bad woman. Well, she's doing the wrong thing living with someone now, but who knows what happened in the past? All we know is by coming at midday, she probably was rejected. Rejected by the community. And these are the people that the Bible tells me the church should be accepting. The hurting, the broken, the destitute, the poor. Because they're the people who need the refreshing of the living waters. And the church ought to be the place that people find refreshing living water for dry and thirsty souls and spirits. So he comes and this woman comes out and Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Firstly, she's surprised that a Jew would ask a Samaritan. In other words, a pure blood would ask a half-caste. Secondly, a man talking to a woman who wasn't in relationship with her. She says it for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So on two counts, Jesus should not have been speaking to her. He was way above her in the class system and she was way down here in the class system. And Jesus bridges the class system and says, we are all one in Christ. We are not separate by our class, colour, skin, race, backgrounds, education, whatever. We are one. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, And who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. The woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us a well and drank from himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered her and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become, listen, in him, a fountain of living, a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. And she goes, sir, give me this water. I may not thirst nor come here to draw. 
I need this water in my life. I wonder, are we that thirsty for God? Do we have that kind of desire that we would have water in us that would become a fountain of water to everlasting life to others? Are you thirsty? Not a whim, but a deep passionate desire above all other desires? There's not only this condition about being thirsty, there's another slightly hidden, not, not, not hard to find condition in that passage. And we find it again in Revelation twenty two seventeen, And the spirit and the bride say, come. Come, let him who hears say, come. Come, and let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. We, we have this, this calling of the spirit of God not only to us with a passionate desire to be filled and refreshed, but it's the spirit and the bride. That's us who are saying, come to others. So there is this twofold condition of the refreshing of God upon our life. A thirst within us for the spirituals in such a way that they would become not just a refreshing to me, but a river and rivers of living water that flow out to me to others who can come and that I would call them come, partake of the water of life freely. It's not just me being quenched. It's me providing rivers for others. Like the musicians and the singers to come. I want to sing that song. There's joy in the house of the Lord. And this place ought to be filled with love, hope, peace, joy, and it ought to be a place of refreshing, not only for us who come and those who receive, but those who have received ought to have a secondary passion that others might drink from what they've got, that we might be providers for a hurting, broken, dry and dark world. And is this world not in need? Is it not in desperate need of of refreshing Your desire and my desire must include a desire that we become all that we're called to be. People that are refreshed with rivers of living water flowing out of us like Christ when he stood up and said, come, come and partake of this water. I am the water of life, the living water. And now church, we are. We are the carriers of that living water. We are the ones to be the thirst quenches of thirsty people. Light in a dark and dreary world bring hope to those who only see 22 as deja vu of 21. Come on, there's a lot of people out there. 22 is just going to be deja vu. See, I'd much prefer to see 22 as a place of revival and rescue. A year where people are revived and refreshed and a year where rivers of living water flow out from the church to rescue others. A place where the light is rekindled in our hearts and the light is shone in the darkness. A place where we are nourished with the five loaves but have basketfuls left for others. A place where we've found the direction of God and they can find it too as, they, as we introduce them, as we connect them to Jesus. This year revived and rescued in 22. We need to be refreshed and filled to overflowing so that rivers flow out of us.
Let's pray. Lord, I'm thirsty for more of you. I want to be more thirsty. I want to be a person so thirsty and so filled and so refreshed that rivers flow out of my life. Rivers to dry and thirsty people in my world so they might encounter you in me. That I might represent or represent Christ to my world. I want to connect people to you, the bread of life, the light of the world, hope in the darkness, living water. But Lord, you've given me all of that. You've put that supply within me as a partaker of divine nature. And each one of us, rivers, Lord, bring hope, bringing peace, bring love to our world. And by that, Lord, bringing joy, not only to the house, but to our world.